The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. March 12th, 2019. No, it's not. It's Tuesday, March 12th, 2019. Ha ha. That's what happens when I'm, I'm sick. You are tuned into HTM Sports. My name is Jargo. That is the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to HTM Sports. It's me. It's me. It's that honor, the beat of the V. Rick Vickery here. Hey, Monday, Tuesday, green jacket, gold jacket. Who gives a shit? It's hashtag HTM Sports. We're rolling on. We've got some hot topics. I'm excited to talk the world of professional sports today. Well, you see what happens is I write the run on Monday and I put Monday's date on it and everything just gets all screwed up. But oh well, that's that's the, the beauty of live Twitch, right? So HDM Sports, Huckleberry, we got a lot to get into today. So I guess let's let's just go ahead and jump into it. Nobody wants to hear our banter anyway. They can get plenty of that Friday on Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Let's start off with the lead today, John Gruden. John Gruden is an idiot. That is the lead today. Um, for, for the better part of a year, I have been defending John Gruden and saying, you know, I understand what he's doing. He's trading away all the stars. He's bringing in all these draft picks. He, he was an NFL analyst. He's been watching all this tape of all these college kids. There's a whole bunch of people that he really, really likes. So I defended getting rid of Amari Cooper. I defended getting rid of Khalil Mack. And then yesterday they go and they bring in Antonio Brown to the Raiders. And Rick, now I, I just think John Gruden has lost his damn mind. Well, I, I don't know. You calling him an idiot? Now, that's that might be a bit of an overstatement. And maybe maybe you're going for that reach because it, he hurts you personally. Because as you said, you've been sitting here defending him, defending him throughout the season. The moves he was making, they they seem borderline genius as, as we're looking at what you know the franchise move and what it means inside of that. I don't want to go that far. But I will say this is a very interesting move and creates an even more interesting dynamic. Well, we've got two super egos here. One, you know, a very outspoken coach in John Gruden. He, he's going to lay it all on the line. Very outspoken superstar in Antonio Brown, who's going to lay it all on the line. I, I know this bothers you, especially for the money and all that. But let's look around the league. This has been a hot free agent class moving around the movers and shakers. Hey, players are getting paid right now. Yeah, players, uh, and, you'd think we were talking about the NBA, the way these players are getting paid. Well, that's what I'm saying. You, know, you look at this, you got three years, what is it? Uh, 50.125 million. Hey, that falls right in line. You got guys middle of the pack, you know, getting paid. We're talking about a legit superstar. But I want to go back to where we're talking about these egos. Are they going to be able to mesh or is this going to clash? We go all the way back to Gruden. Remember, uh, that, that he, you know, when he was in Tampa, I had his name right on the top of my head, a hot receiver down there that was kind of outspoken. 
uh, you know, they and he actually inactivated him a couple of times. Are these two going to be able to get along? Nope. I I think they I think they probably sat down. We're talking about guys that have aged so many years uh, that they, they they probably have a common goal to come in here. I'm actually I like this move, and I know you're kind of doubting it. Why would you get rid of Cooper and, and bring him in here? At, when they got rid of Amari Cooper, he was he was floundering. It wasn't until he got to Dallas that he found that resurgence, that energy, that motivation to prove to everyone that he belonged in that echelon, that he was a number one. He wasn't going to provide that in Oakland. Now when you bring in Brown, though, they are still going forward with that youth movement. They still have all those draft picks. They, they still have a ton of draft picks. They can oh, still yeah. go in that direction. Now you've got the fifth. Yeah, now you've got a leader. Now you've got someone that's been there. you got someone that brings a little bit of that, that Raider flash I think it'll work for him. Bad boys for life, that's for sure. Three years, 50.125 million. But I, I think the thing that really, really got me is 19.8 of that new uh, contract is new money from the Raiders. The Raiders were only paying Amari Cooper $13 million. And now, granted, he's going to be a free agent at the end of next season. 2020 will be his, his free agency deal. But, I mean, dude, you were talking about $6 million just in new money. You could have just kept Amari Cooper and thrown more money at Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack absolutely plays into this, too. It's not just Amari Cooper they let go. They also let go of the best defensive player in the league. Keyshawn Johnson was the receiver I was thinking of. Oh, well, Keyshawn was, uh, just, just give me the damn well, ball. Well, that's what I'm saying. You kind of have those same attitudes with, with him and Brown. So that's what, you know, that was where the little concern. It's going to be interesting to watch that dynamic through the year. But as we go back to Cooper, like I said, he was floundering under the Raiders banner. We didn't, this is not what we've seen. No, when he's going up for a payday here in two years, that, that number's going to be astronomical. The but problem- I got to tell you, if I'm lining up a, a franchise right now, if I'm looking at a receiver, I think I'm taking Brown right now, even over Cooper. Oh, I absolutely take Amari Cooper over Antonio Brown. And I, I understand that Amari Cooper was flundering in the Raiders system. Guess what? So is Antonio Brown. Because that team didn't get any better just because you put Antonio Brown on it. The offensive line is still awful. Derek Carr still needs time to throw the ball. And that was the problem in Oakland. The problem wasn't Amari Cooper. So what do they do? They go out and they bring in Trent Brown. That's right, Tom Brady's left tackle, and they're going to pay him $66.8 million a year, $36.8 million of that guaranteed. He's now the highest paid offensive lineman in the NFL. Huckleberry, there is a, a, a trend. There is When you look at the course of history in this whole Patriots dynasty, you ever notice that their offensive line is really, really good, and then the offensive linemen go somewhere else, and they absolutely suck? That's what's going to happen here because the Patriots are the exception to the rule. There's always an exception to the rule. It's not that the offensive line makes Tom Brady. It's that Tom Brady makes the offensive line. When you're getting rid of the ball in two seconds on timing routes, it's awful hard to hit him regardless of how good or bad your offensive line is. This is not going to work out well for the Raiders. Well, again, this comes back. I know the the biggest question mark here or puts you know, the spotlight on this is, is the money, is the financials. But again, you know, this is the biggest deal right now. Well, let's wait for two days and see what the next deal is. Everything is being driven upwards. This is a crazy free agent class and marketplace right now. I think we have to keep that, you know, keep that in consideration as we're moving forward here. Hey, well, I still think, you know, the, the maniacal mind of John Gruden, he has something in place. This team is still about two years away from being serious contenders. Hell, they don't even know where, you know, where they're going to be playing by then. 
know, everything is up in the air. And I think, you know, that is the circus that the Raiders are trying to recreate. And, and then by then, you brought in a ringleader, an Antonio Brown, that can take all kind of that, that heat and put that on his shoulders and still be that personality and still pull some other free agents in. Antonio Brown runs his mouth in Pittsburgh with the Rooney family as owners and Ben Roethlisberger as his quarterback and Mike Tomlin as his head coach. Good luck with that this year, Oakland, because I have a feeling by about week three, he's going to be Keyshawn Johnson. Just give me the damn ball. Let's. Uh, well, well, here's the, well, here's your difference then. Then he'll be dealt. He's got a three-year deal. He'll Gruden still has nine years left on that. You're, you're not going to buck the boss. That's a good point as well. Uh, a couple of other free agency notes that absolutely caught my attention. Nick Foles. We talked about Foles going to Jacksonville last week, but now we have contract details. Four years, $88 million. $88 million for Nick Foles. $50.1 million guaranteed. Huckleberry, do you like this move, or are the Jaguars just out of their damn minds? Well, again, you know, as we talk about, and that's going to be a theme in anything we talk about free agency with the NFL, because this has been a hot market, as we said. But these numbers are astronomical. Yeah. Uh, here's, you know, when I was really, there's only one of them that I like. Well, with this one here, you know, looking at this number, I'm not so, I'm not so worried about what this means for Falls and the Jaguars, but what this does for, uh, for Prescott over in Dallas. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. And, and, we're, and we're talking about, you know, offensive linemen getting the highest deal, when, you know, where he hasn't really proven it's more about, you know, the, the, the climate and the environment that he came from instead of the player. I mean, what is this going to do? How is this going to move that quarterback position? We're getting to a spot in the NFL where almost across the board you got interchangeable parts. But now these parts are demanding huge dollars. I mean, this is almost crazy. It, it to, to try to wrap your mind and fathom the, you know, the investment on re, in return ratio is crazy within the NFL right now. Something has to happen here, man. And, and we're seeing this in baseball. We're seeing it now in football. The NBA has been this way for quite a while. At a certain point, these owners have to be like, no, we're not. Well, doing you know, it. you know, this goes you know, it, two points. We're sitting here talking about these top, these top values and, and how they're moving up. Well, we got to remember, just like in any economy, and we see it in the real world when we the argument about minimum wage. When one when one side is moving top or bottom, it's moving everything. Yep. So now even your minimums, you know, because the with the collective bargaining agreements, these unions are going to be all over this. They're going to be looking at the top and making sure that they can pull the bottom up a little. You know, everyone keeps it might still be the same gap, but they're all going to keep going up. That's going to be a major issue, not just not what you're paying your stars, but what are you paying your run of the mill, your special teams guys, you know, the, the role players. That's that is a, a huge dynamic that we need to consider here. And even further than that, as you keep driving up these values, what does this do to these other upstart leagues like, you know, the double F and the XFL coming in? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point as well. Um I, I think the thing is, when you look at last season, the top six paid quarterbacks in the league, none of them even made the playoffs. Who won the Super Bowl last year? The team whose quarterback takes a pay cut every year so he can continue to put a team around him. These numbers are getting ridiculous. When you're paying $88 million for Nick Foles, you're going to pay $66 million for an offensive tackle, $50.1 million for a wide receiver. I mean, get the hell out of here. These owners are just absolutely losing their minds throwing this money around. At a certain point, they got to just stop. 
Because what's going to happen is the only teams that are going to be available to bring in free agents are going to be teams with rookie quarterbacks, and that's going to bring the entire league down. Well, that's what most, you know, a lot of these teams are going with. They don't really feel that they need that all-star quarterback to win. They, they ride out those rookie deals, let the person develop themselves who are looking for that big money, and then they let them, they let them move on. Or in Dallas's case, you, where you might run into, hopefully they don't overpay, hopefully you run into a quarterback that actually sees something like that where, yeah, I'll take a few, you know, a, a few less of the millions so that you can build still around me and then, and ultimately around you, what that does to you, that's going to improve your sponsorship deals, you know, how marketable you are. That grand picture is what's going to build you up. But I like we're talking about, you know, where are we going to get to when these owners finally step in and say, you know, what is enough is enough. And I guess as a reference point, let's, let's go back to the NHL. How many years ago when they just said, you know what, we're, we're closing it down. Yep. Nope. We're, we're, we're locking the gates. We're done here. But look how hard it's been for the NHL to recover since then. Yeah, that's a good point. But I, I, it would, I would be curious to see the financials for the owners from what they were paying guys like Gretzky and Jerry oh, Ronick back I, in I, the day versus what they're paying these guys now. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I haven't looked at them recently, but as of maybe six months to eight months ago, I was reading an article on that. And actually, they are more successful as a league, I think, than, you know, than they have been for 50 years. Yeah, I, because it creates parity. It creates parity throughout the well, league. As it, it it everyone out there knows, you know, we're wrestling guys. That's where this all started from. And it kind of lends towards the, the philosophies of WWE where they're at, where they stop building these outrageous superstars in their interchangeable parts. Somebody goes down, we got somebody to slide in. Yep. Uh, Trey Flowers. Trey Flowers making his way to the NFC North. I'm not very happy about this one, Huckleberry. He's going to Detroit. Five years, $80 million. Potentially $85 million. The Lions went out and got themselves a pass rusher, which, of course, inside of the NFC North, when you're facing Mitchell Trubisky and you're facing Aaron Rodgers and you're facing that poor bastard in Minnesota, um, otherwise known as Kirk Cousins, the poor bastard in Minnesota, going out and getting yourself a defense. I've been waiting for Detroit to do this pretty much since Barry Sanders retired. <laughs> Well, see, so, you know, this is a, this is the highlight of their free agent class right now. But the, the Lions have been on the move. They're doing a lot of the middle of the market moves right now. I think they realize, especially with the schedule they've got coming up, this is a time to make a move. They've got a ton of cap space. They've got the money to do it. The division is is obviously down, or it's more of an equal playing field, let's say. And it's anyone's kind of for the taking at the time, maybe outside of your Packers. Yeah, because we're a mess. Uh, so, hey, strike – Strike when the iron's hot, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's a great deal for Detroit. I also think it's a great deal for New England because the Eagles traded Michael Bennett to New England so they could get rid of Trey Flowers. This saves New England a whole bunch of money. This is how New England has built this dynasty. Rather than paying these players, that's cool. We'll ship you out and bring somebody else in who's almost, if not just as good as you, and pay them a third of what we're going to pay you. I, I kind of like... It's always amazing me. I'm, I'm waiting for the year where everyone just kind of forces the Patriots out of deals. Right. Like, like, like kind of like black, ball, like black balls. Them. Yeah. Like kind of black balls them, you know, like uh, we, we're, just, we're done with you guys, yeah. man. And especially with all the scandals that, that we've got surrounding that team, you know, and how they handle their business. And, and as you said earlier, you know, you, you've got, you've got the NFL and you've got the Patriots. Yep. That's that's pretty much how things work. And I think New England's got to be the favorite to win the whole damn thing again next well, year. Well, I think, you know, they were so smart. They saw this years ago. That's why they were stockpiling all those draft picks because no one's going to refuse the opportunity. And not every deal has to do with it. But if you do a deal with them here, 
you can do a deal with them later where they might float you some of those sweet draft picks that they got sitting on uh, on that tree. They might they might pluck a piece of sweet fruit and hand it to you there. I think the best deal that I have seen, and then we'll move on to something else here. I think the best deal that I have seen thus far when it comes to free agency was what Denver did. Obviously, we knew that they brought in Joe Flacco, and the question was, what are we going to do with Case Keenum? They traded. They actually found a team to take Chase Keenum. The Washington Redskins. So now the, the Redskins' two best options going into next season. You have Colt McCoy. And you have Chase Keenum. I still go with Colt McCoy. I've always been a homer for Colt McCoy. But this actually saves Denver money. If they would have just played cut Case Keenum, it would have cost them an extra $2 million. This actually saved Denver $2 million. Hey, you've got all those masterminds in the war rooms working and crunching these numbers. I mean, this is almost as exciting as what we see during the season. To go inside these war rooms, especially as we're leading up to the draft, you know, how they're manipulating these deals and all these maneuvers. I, I was doing a little reading into this thing, and I think this is going to be one of the more interesting stories to follow, you know, is the Denver quarterback situation. I, I didn't realize that how much tension there was between between uh, Elway and Manning at times. Yeah. So with, you know, a veteran coming in here, I think if they can get it right, if they're going to work together, I love this dynamic. I didn't realize the, the backstage drama, though, that they had. All right, let's go ahead. Let's throw things over to a couple of news and notes here from the NBA. And, Rick, we got to start off with what I at least assume is is the lead story on every sports show throughout the face of the planet today, except for ours, because, you know, we think the NFL is more important than the NBA. Russell Westbrook going off on a fan and his wife last night up in Utah. And evidently, this is something that's been going on with Russell Westbrook and Utah for a while. The people of Utah evidently do not like Russell Westbrook. And last night, Russell Westbrook let them know, I don't like you either. I, we could come at this from a number of directions. And I guess I'll start with the one I think is the least important to me personally is the fan side. I completely agree with you. I think, you know, and especially looking at this story and seeing the gentleman that, you know, he got his airtime. They, they interviewed him to try to get his side of it. He looks like he's in his 40s. Uh, he had some sweet tickets, and that's a hot ticket right there. NBA is one of the most expensive, so he's doing pretty well for himself. I would think as an individual, he has more common sense to really go overboard heckling a player. He's got to understand what this is about. And I'm not going to pretend, you know, sitting here that, that I've never been in a position where yeah, I thought, hey, I'm going to be cool. I'm going to get on, you know, a performer, you know, be a wrestler or a pro athlete at a game or something like that. But I've matured enough to realize that you don't go – you don't go that far with certain things. You're, you're there to enjoy the game. And yeah, and I'm not one that, you know, think that fans should take a step back because as fans, we've been there a lot longer than a player. We're going to be there after we're just as invested in our lives and all that. Sure. You know, we're not in the practices and all that, but yeah, we're not being compensated the millions of dollars. We're making that emotional investment. And even outside that, we're making a financial investment from our end where we're not getting anything back except the enjoyment of it. I want to go more to the player here. This this is an example of, you know what, an immature player. He's making millions upon millions. If this was a one-time case, this is the first time we're talking about this with Michael Westbrook, then so be it. He lost his cool that night. Everyone gets that boiling point to go over the edge. But this is the fifth or sixth time throughout his career that we're seeing this. This is a gentleman that just, what was it, just two or three Two weeks ago, went off on a little kid who was sitting on the court. It happened to brush him as he was, you know, passing by out of bounds. 
Now, I, I guess this kind of changes my perspective a little bit, all right? Um, I don't know how many fans were in attendance last night. Let's just say, for rough figuring, that there's 15,000 fans in attendance last night. Um, Shane Kiesel, I think I'm saying his name right, was this fan's name. And supposedly what Westbrook heard was this fan tell Westbrook to get down on his knees. And that's what set Russell Westbrook off. Now, Mr. Kiesel is saying what he said was ice up those knees, which obviously that's something that we see Westbrook doing all the time. He's always sitting on the bench. Actually, I think it's heat, but it looks like ice. But I, 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 I've, this very easily could just be this guy said this, Westbrook heard this and lost his shit. But more importantly, this goes to the temperament of Russell Westbrook. Like you're saying, we, we hear these stories out of him all the time. Well, you, you, you're right, you know, because he was sitting there. In, you could go look at the footage. He had he had the wraps on both knees. And for Westbrook in his post, you know, post game interview, said, "Oh, he said, get on, get on my knees." And then he went on to kind of allude it was a racial attack on him. No, that that is a homosexual attack on you. Get on your knees. But yeah. but even I, I tend to believe what the fan was saying. Keep keep icing your knees because if you go back and listen to the footage. One of uh, Westbrook's responses is, it's heat. So obviously he knew what he said. Yeah, and, and this was Westbrook's response, all right? And this is on video. Westbrook responds to the fan and he says, I'll fuck you up. I mean, j- just like straight up. And then he also says, and I'll fuck your wife up. Like, dude, you can't be saying this. You're one of the faces of the NBA, whether I like you or not. I think he's incredibly overrated. But you can't be saying stuff like that. You know there's 15,000 people there. And when you look at all the star power between these two teams, everybody is watching Russell Westbrook because he's the biggest star on the floor. You can't be saying this kind of stuff to fans. I don't care what the hell they say to you. You know, two just two quick points on this thing. Uh, one, where were the yellow jackets? This is not the player's job to police the audience, to police the fans. Where are yep. the yellow jackets? Where is security? Secondly, this is another this is another reason why Westbrook does not have a ring or yeah. that you can trust him late in the playoffs where pressure is on. Does he does he have the cool about him to elevate a team? This is why Kevin Durant left. This is why Kevin Durant left OKC, because he knew he wasn't going to win a championship with Russell Westbrook. And OKC chose Westbrook over Durant. That's really it's, what it comes down to. Obviously, it's kind of comparable to obviously, you know, as an attractive as in a couple you could be, sometimes it's not working, and you know the best thing is just to get away. Yep. Uh, let's actually talk a little bit of basketball. Rick, the, the Warriors are falling apart four and six in their last 10 games. Is this something to actually be concerned about as we're only, what, two weeks away from the playoffs kicking off now? This is not the time for everything to be going to hell. Uh, we can look at this right now. You know, during this stretch, Boston gets them by 33. That one really stood out to me. Uh, Phoenix, the second worst team in the league, gets them. Everyone is in panic mode. What is happening in Golden State? This is this is manufactured drama is what it is. Let's go back one year ago. They lose 10 out of the last 17. They're in the playoffs. They're down 3-2 in a series. All we can chalk up right now is they're on cruise control. The NBA right now, this is like college basketball in December and January. Nothing really matters to get to the playoffs, and these guys know that. They know how good they are. They're just bored right now. 
in around the league, there's not much to talk about. You got two big stories. What's going on with the absolute best in the Warriors and what's going on with the train wreck in LA? Those oh, are your yes. stories as we're trying to get to the postseason. These guys are going to be fine. They're better than they were a year ago and they're going to, they're going to run through, they're going to run through this postseason and they're going to three feet. Of course, in the first round, as things stand right now, the Warriors would be playing the aforementioned Utah Jazz. They're still the number one seed in the West, but there, there's another team that is making their case, Rick, and that is the Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets have taken off. They are now winners of nine straight, eight and zero oh, since James Harden's thirty-point streak ended. Whoever would have seen that coming? That well, you know, when you actually run the team through Chris Paul. The team wins when you have Harden out there just shooting shots. The team's not nearly as good. Now that the Rockets are at full strength with Chris Paul at the head, I think Houston could really make a run at this thing. I still don't think they, they have the power. This, you know what this really reminds me of? Like, as I sit here uh, on beautiful Lake Erie, right down, the, right down the road from Cleveland, Ohio, this hype right now around the Rockets reminds me of when the Indians went on that streak two years ago. Uh, when they rolled off the most, was it the most wins in a regular season, 24, 25, something like that. And all that hype. And then you're, you're so hot then. It's almost a letdown when you get into the playoffs. I, I am going to agree with you here. I think this is going to, when they eventually run into each other, it is going to be the series of the postseason. I mean, it's going to be what you want your championship to be. The, the NBA finals is going to be an afterthought compared to what we get between these two. I think they match up beautifully. I think they're going to have a, a great series, but I still think. I still think, when I say great series, I don't think it's going to go seven. I still think the Warriors get them four, too. Remember, Houston had them den to rights last year, and then Chris Paul got hurt, and the Rockets absolutely fell apart. It's it's all going to come down to can Chris Paul stay healthy throughout the playoffs. It, it, even in that, I, I still think you know that memory lingers within Golden State. Where maybe a year ago, they kind of thought you know they they overlooked the Rockets. They didn't think they were quite there. That's going to be a lasting image in their mind. And it, believe me, they have heard that. You guys, yeah, you guys got your championship. But what would have happened if Paul, you know, there is that butt there. And I think they're going to want to, they're going to erase that. Let's talk about the best team in the NBA. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but the best team in the NBA right now is the Milwaukee Bucks. Huckleberry, are you actually buying the Milwaukee Bucks? I mean, clearly they play in the East. They're not playing against nearly as good a competition as teams like Houston and Golden State. Do you buy Milwaukee as a legitimate threat here? I'm going to go with, I'm going to use the pun here. You know, when LeBron left, it was just a matter of passing the buck. So the Bucks uh, picked it up. The Bucks picked it up. Yeah, I, Well played. I, I, have, I have more. I have... I think there's a better chance that the Young Bucks could win the NBA championship than the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> Great stuff. Uh, but, hey, but you know, that's the name of the game in the East. You know, what you're hoping for is you put, you assemble a great all around team. You, all you got to do is get there. You know, it, any given day, right? The th but the trick is you got to do it four times. The thing that scares me about Milwaukee is they're ninth in the league in points given up. They're giving up 108 points a game. When you get against a team like Houston or Golden State, that number is probably going to go up by about 20. And that's and can, you, and can you compete? Yep. Do you happen to know what their points are per game? Um, no, but I can find out real quick and in a hurry, I'm sure. 
Well, that's what I say, you know, but you're going through the East and I, I don't, you know, we're not, we surely shouldn't take anything away from their accomplishment. They put together a, a great team here. They're having an incredible season. And as I said, you, you just got to get through. Now let's, let, let's stick just to the East dynamic though. I mean, when you get to the playoffs, are they proving that tough there? Because you're going to run into some teams that have been there that are very hungry. You know, Toronto, they've had that monkey on their back for years, went west. I still think Boston's the best team in the East, but who knows what's going on with Boston? I did not mean that in any kind of racial way. What's that? Any kind of racial way. Golden State, by the way, averaging 118.2 points a game as things stand right now. Well, you're gonna have to up your you're gonna have to up your production then if you have those those hot guns coming in. All right, let's talk about the awful train wreck that is the Los Angeles Lakers. And Rick, today is really not about LeBron James. Today is much more about Brandon Ingram. Uh, Brandon Ingram diagnosed with deep venomous thrombosis in his right arm. That's basically a blood clot inside of his right arm. This is the same injury that basically ended Chris Bosh's career. Chris Bosh came back and played a little bit with those blood clots, but he was never the same player that he was. Since the All-Star break, Ingram is averaging 27.8 points a game on 57% shooting and i think the bigger story here without brandon ingram there's no way they're going to land anthony davis because there's no team brandon ingram stock just dropped seriously dropped because this is a very very serious condition all of a sudden the lakers just don't have the assets because you also have lonzo lonzo's been shut down for the rest of the season in his two years in LA now he's actually missed more games than he has played the Lakers have no assets outside of LeBron James and then Jeff Van Gundy is getting a whole bunch of heat now because he said the other day they have to seriously consider trading LeBron for the future of the franchise because you don't have any assets right now to bring in any other players around him I don't think Jeff Van Gundy is nuts I understand where he's coming from and, and to put that idea out there, but is that, is it realistic? I don't think, I think they are so over invested here that, you know, I think, you know, you're going to see, you're going to see a lot of people go down with the Titanic. Yep. And this is not going to turn out pretty for this franchise. And LeBron James is the iceberg. As soon as they, they landed LeBron, that franchise was done. And now it's just, you're seeing the cracks in the ship, whether it's Brandon Ingram, whether it's Lonzo Ball, Kuzma can't stay healthy. It's all going to hell, man. And it's going to hell real fast. Well, and as you said, you know, what value do they have out there trying to make moves on this market? I think, you know, what's going to happen there. They're going to be great. We got straws here. The desperation move is to try to go land a big name coach that is going to be attractive enough to try to bring people in to right all these wrongs to, you know, to take control of the ship and try to get it back in the right direction. But how much water is in the hall? You know, how much life is still left in this thing? Everybody kind of expected that Kawhi Leonard was going to end up a Laker next year. And now we're hearing Michael C. Wright from ESPN is saying, I don't think he's interested in the Lakers. That's what I've been told. It's what I've been told going back to last summer i don't see something that's happening i think he goes to the clippers it sounds like Kawhi leonard very well could end up in la just in that other team's locker room and i can't say i would blame him if i'm a superstar player there's no way i want to go to the lakers right now unless i have lebron's assurances 
and I'm bringing in at least one other guy with me, kind of like, you know, the Dwayne Wade, and we're going to bring in Chris Bosh and LeBron James. This is going to have to be some kind of pair of, like, Kyrie Irving and Kawhi coming into L.A. to try to save this franchise. I just don't see it happening. Well, let me, let me you know, just to go back, we were talking about the possibility of trading LeBron. What is his what is his value truly on the market right now? And that's I mean, for, and he's he's going to want to go to a contender who wants to pick up that deal and who wants to pick up that headache, you know, to shake up a dynamic. I mean, obviously, we're talking about the best, you know, one of the best players on the planet up there arguing with the all time greats. You know, there's going to be someone there for him. But you really have you really have to examine that deal and look at what you know, what he is, what he caused in Cleveland. Great, you know, you got the championship, but all the headaches, all the misery, the heartache, you know, just internally from your franchise. And, and then what he's done in La La Land here, we were talking about early, you know, your return on investment. What is, where does that stand right now with the King? Yeah. And I don't see a whole lot of return. I, they're the same team they were last year. They have as many te- they have as many wins this year without LeBron, or as many wins last year without LeBron as they do this year with LeBron. Well, I, I will say this, though, and, and I made this statement. I, I put this out on a post on Facebook before we went live here. For better or worse, a year ago, hardly anyone cared. But now that, but now this year, they're headline news. Whether that be as a, as a lottery, as a lottery team, whether that be a good thing or a bad thing for better or worse. I, I don't know. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's edition of HTM Sports. Thanks for watching and or listening. And if you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. Then head over to the HTM Podcast Network at hittingthemarks.podbean.com. Give us a drop, a, a subscribe over there. And, man, we've got so much content, whether it's the PW Hustle, whether it's Turnbuckle Talk, whether it's the Wrestle Popcast, whether it's HTM Sports, the weekly flagship hitting the marks. We've got all kinds of stuff. Plus, we've got the Impact Press Pass. That drops on our feed now, too. Huckleberry, we've got ourselves a real nice thing going over here. Um, until Friday, you can find me across all social media, at NotJargo. Find the show at HTMPWPod. Huckleberry, where does LeBron James find you? And keep up with me across all social media platforms at the real RBV and catch us back here right Friday. You know, well, not here on Friday, but we'll be on the wrestling studios uh, on Friday with the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. That's it for this week's show. We'll talk to you Friday, hitting the marks.podbean.com. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya. <laughs>